Oh, look, it's the hat. Oh, wait, are those the hat guys? Yeah, it's the hat guys. Who is Fizzle? Is that made by the hat guys? Yeah, that's made by the hat guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know those guys. They were wearing hats. That's right. That's the hat guys. That's Fizzle. Oh, that's Fizzle? Brilliant. It's the hat guys. Screw product. Screw member success. The hat is going to make the business. Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. Too many interesting small businesses are failing because the founders, though they had a great idea, didn't understand the basics of sustainable, independent business. Doing it on your own. And we fill in those gaps and get you building something successful that won't burn you or your customers out. That's our goal. And your hosts are three dudes, Corbett Barr, if we were action movies from the 80s, Corbett would be commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger because Corbett by far has the best biceps. Caleb Wojcik, he'd be Rambo, first blood with Sly Stallone because he by far is more likely to be a Vietnam veteran and go a little cuckoo than any of us. And me, Chase Reeves, I'd be Tango and Cash with Kurt Russell because I by far am most likely to have a f***ing killer mullet. Sorry. I get pretty fired up about Kurt Russell. <laughs> In this episode, your brand could ha- actually move people from bored, unmotivated, ignoring you, to driven, curious, interested, dynamically involved in your business. And chances are, that's not happening right now. And I've been there. I've been in the helm of something that was boring. And in this episode, I share three story tools to get you out of the boring and into the dynamic. Telling a story that gets you results. And the first tool that I mentioned has actually been one of the most important for me in my career of all time. Uh, But before we get into that, we want to update you a bit on where we are. Catch up. So uh, pour a cuppa. So pour yourself a cup of something and grab your biscuits and let's get into it. Since we last spoke, hey guys, I miss you. It has been way too long. It's been a long time. Lots of stuff going on. We've had this weird, we've had this weird string where like one of us is on vacation and then another one's traveling somewhere and blah blah blah. So it's been, it feels like it's been a month since we've even talked. I think it has. It, it, it yeah, well, a little less than that, but close to it. And there's a lot of stuff going on. So here's what here's what I'd love to do. I have uh, I have notes on a thing that I want to get into for the second half of this episode. It's sort of like my story framework for creating better marketing and better brand. I just spoke at Pioneer Nation, and I want to share a little bit about that as well. Um, and so I want to do that, but not not for a little while yet. I kind of want to just catch up with you guys in front of the fizzle uh audience kind of go through maybe even on some of like the health of fizzle and like what we've where we're at maybe a couple lessons we've learned and just talk about uh what we've been up to just for a few minutes i think the audience could tolerate something like maybe right or it could be a total disaster i think you know we're just we're just such mavericks that we got to give it a try all right you know all right let's do it just let's just roll with it we'll do it live (laughs) we'll do it live (laughs) So first of all, Corbett, you're you're like about packing up and and from Mexico and coming back to the states. Yeah. So um, for people who don't know, even though I blabbed about it, it seems like every episode, um, I spend the winters in Mexico. So we're down here from January through the end of March. And he's like uh, a tiny, he's like a tiny seafaring bird. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We migrate with the whales and the birds. And uh, yeah, we usually spend about three months down here and it's, it's good. It's good and bad. I mean, it's, it's great. It's nice and relaxing. Um, but God damn, if this Mexican bandwidth doesn't annoy me sometimes, because <laughs> it really kind of does hinder certain things, you know, especially uploading sure. videos to the interwebs um, and sometimes even podcasting. That's, yeah. that's the annoying part. But aside from that, I think it's good for my health. Um, I'm nice and rested and relaxed and, uh, have gotten some physical activity, which is always good. And I don't think I've missed anything up North, right? It's pretty up there right now. So, Oh yeah, there's nothing going on up here for sure. (laughs) We, I mean, Caleb, you haven't done anything, right? No, but my weather's a little better than yours is. So yeah, I mean, you're not missing anything. So just stay down there. I mean, Mexican bandwidth be damned. I mean, just deal with with what you have to do. You know, um, I should. And uh, this uh, this brings up some other stuff that I've been really ruminating on over the past couple of weeks as as we've all huh. been traveling and stuff. Which is just how do we build this company? And and partly this is brought on by the fact that we're actually hiring someone. 
uh, or we're in the mm-hmm. process of trying to fill a position. And just thinking about how we grow the business and sort of maintain that distributed workforce, you know, freedom that we have right now, and um, and the ins and outs of that. And I've been looking at other companies that are doing it successfully and what really makes it work well. And um, you know, I feel like there are some things that we've been lacking in terms of communication as a team that we can improve on, and we're kind of looking into that. But um, there's a lot of interesting questions there. Corbett, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the position. Let's talk a little bit about that that we're we're hiring for for Fizzle. It's sort of a big deal. This is like our our first like actual real time. I mean, you had to go through the whole idea of like hiring someone when you brought Caleb on, and then when we worked together to build Fizzle, we were just kind of partnering and to build something and and sharing profits from whatever would would happen from that. So that wasn't like a huge investment of money to be able to do something like that, you mm-hmm. know? But now this is like our first big hire since we've incorporated as Fizzle Co and changed all this stuff. So it's kind of a big deal to me. And I, and I get, I find that I get a lot of friends saying like, Oh my God, Chase, that's so awesome. Before, and, and like, I'm like, kind of like, Oh yeah, we've been talking about this for months. Like, I guess it is kind of a big deal. I, I kind of forget how big of a deal it is uh, that we have, we started a company and we're hiring people. Oh my God. You know, yeah. but tell us about a little bit about what, what the position we is. definitely don't go into this lightly right because it's another mouth to feed and um and then you know like i was saying just all the structure around the company and adding another person when there's three of us it's like we can pretty much all get on the phone all the time and and just hash things out but as we add people there's just an added layer of complexity so um yeah. so the position and this is this is something i think that we kind of debated on for a while in terms of who the first hire should be yeah, what they do and what their responsibilities would be, and yeah, but it always, it always, to me, comes back to this idea that if we do our best job to make our members successful, then everything else falls into place, right? That's our number one goal: is just to make sure that our Fizzle members are happy and successful um, in building their own thing. And there are a bunch of different ways that we can do that, but one of the things is we just feel like we need to be better connected to them and and better plugged into what's going on with our members and um, to help guide them through all the different fizzle resources and to connect them up with the community and all that kind of stuff. And we do the best job we can, but we're also juggling a lot of hats. I mean, we're doing the podcast and shooting all the courses and uh, running the technology and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes I feel like we need just a dedicated resource to be in there talking to Fizzle members and being an active leader amongst the community every day. So what we're going to hire is essentially a member success specialist. And it's sort of a hybrid of things. I think um, we first started talking about a customer support person, and then we talked about a community manager. And I think we can merge those things together and really focus on the outcome of the position and not necessarily just some title like, you know, we don't want someone just to manage um, the community. We want someone to help our members become successful. So this person will be part customer support and part uh, community leader. Mm, I like that. I like a lot about it. You know, it's funny. I've been, it's interesting the way that business like happens in stages, especially when you're, you know, self-funding, bootstrapping, sort of a, a, (laughs) you know, you're, you're mavericks. Most, a lot of the people who listen to the show, like they're not some expert in something and they've got like 45 certifications and now they're just figuring out how to get started. Like norm, a lot of people are just like, I have the tools to know, to learn. I know how to build an audience online or I know it's democratized. Now I have the tools just like anybody else to build an audience, to create a product, to do these sorts of things. And for the first so long, for the first so many years, you're just sort of faking it till you make it in some ways. And some things you're better at than others. And you're discovering what you really have to say and what you have to say that's actually valuable and all this stuff. And you're just sort of shooting in the dark. And I feel when we got started with Fizzle, we've had, we had the the experience of the previous like four or five years with, with, uh, think traffic that you had Corbett um, and then our sort of respective little shots in the dark as well individually. Uh, but as we've built fizzle, we've done it a lot that we knew how to do. And we already had on the plan, like up until right now about we're still getting things done that we had planned at the very, very beginning of fizzle, right. you know, and the vision has sort of developed from there, from from that initial planning session and all the like, you know, whiteboarding and Evernote lists about what Fizzle would be, it's developed more since then. At first, it was all about what could we build that people could pay for, and 
and then we we did that. We built a thing that people were more than happy to pay for, and now that now they're like really liking it, and some people are canceling, and some people are signing up new all the time, and we're dealing with that. And to me, the predominant it feels like we're actively switching gears into we don't make courses we help make people successful and that is a very fundamental it's a fundamentally a different shift in direction for the business that this position heads straight towards we don't make courses we help businesses become successful um, and i don't know i'm just riffing on that as an as an idea in my head right now and it's not something we just because we're we're in our respective little cubicles you know in mexico san diego and portland sort of getting our courses done writing things putting together networks and creating things with people putting putting together courses like the book yourself solid course from a partnership with michael port and the, and the book yourself solid team and all that sort of stuff and these things are just kind of coming together and and, and i'm really excited cuz in a couple of weeks we're doing our little fizzle retreat thing uh, where we're all going to get back into the vision. What's the next stage? What's the next stage of development? What's the next stage of marketing of, of getting more people in and getting the right kind of people in? And then how do we ensure that it's more likely that any, someone who joins fizzle is more likely to be successful than someone who doesn't? I don't know. So I, I'm super thrilled for this, for this position to get filled. Because if the idea, it's interesting, because at Pioneer Nation, Laura Roeder spoke, uh, it was my first time meeting Laura, and she spoke about like, listen, you have money to pay for this conference. That means you have money to hire someone, to do something that they can do better than you can do it for your business. Uh, and she, her whole thing was all about hiring someone. And I've heard her in a podcast before talk about that. And it was just kind of like, it was good. It was a good shift for me to realize, yeah, I'm not a lone wolf. We are not the three guys who have to be doing this. And it made me imagine that maybe we can hire someone who can increase our vision rather than just be another piece to manage. Yeah. And that's clearly what it's possible. <laughs> you know, that that would multiply this team rather than just uh, add something to it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I don't know. I'm excited about totally. it. Totally. Well, I think that when people hire a VA or what have you, they, you know, they send them stuff that they don't necessarily want to do or maybe they can't do or just don't have time to do. But this position to me is more... It's something that we know we should be doing but haven't been doing. And so by hiring someone that that's their job, it'll get done. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and not, and not just that. I mean, I think um, this is also a lot of stuff that we are doing currently and that uh, is important, very important. But also I spend a lot of time doing customer support right now. And I think that's, mm, that's yeah. a debate that, um, you know, that a lot of companies have. You know, how much time should... Um, should everyone be doing spending, you know, spending on customer support? And I don't know what the answer is exactly, but right now we're making a bet that we're spending a little bit too much time doing that, and it's keeping us from doing other things. And also that we're kind of half-assing it in some ways, right? Because mm. because we have you know a few hours a day or whatever to spend talking with people, and if we had someone who is dedicated to doing that, they would get a much better experience, and then we would have more time to focus on the things that are going to move the company forward as well. And it's mm -hmm. also just the people that are reaching out via email or something. I mean, we do go on the forums and we do try to catch as much as we can, but the forums are so active and there's so many people in there that some mm -hmm. of the stuff doesn't rise to the top. We might not see it as quick as we need to. And so yeah, being totally. able to interact with people, you know, all the time and getting, you know, the correct forum threads to us to respond to a little quicker. And I think it's just going to be a better experience for fizzlers in general. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's exciting to think of of this this even more so than our jobs. This position perhaps will directly impact someone's experience within Fizzle. You know, because we we can be thinking up at the ten thousand foot view. What courses are we going to do over the next twelve months? And then how are we going to put together relationships with the people that we would like to put together courses? If we want outsiders to come in and be teachers and structuring those things, doing all that stuff, planning, do all this big strategic stuff, and. And a lot. Well, mean, meanwhile, like we we might not have enough time to do the things that, that that could be super high value for a fizzler in there, just like struggling with a simple thing. When you know, Corbett, I met somebody at Pioneer Nation who um, it was a friend of Ann Samoylov's. I met Ann by the way, and I was like, Ann, do you know how many times I had to try saying your name right <laughs> on podcasts and stuff? And she was a blast, and she was so good to get to meet. And she had a friend there who. Talked about meeting you, Corbett. I think uh, one of the early WDSs, uh, she had met you. 
and you just told her something about something really simple, right? Like, like listen, you're, you're thinking a lot about this and that's good, but you're probably overthinking it. Maybe you could try just to beta test this a little bit. Just do what like software companies do and just try a little beta thing. Put a little version, an MVP out, a most minimum viable product, a, a most voluptuous p- pleasure C- careful. zone out. Or, <laughs> yeah, careful. <laughs> an MVP uh, out and, and just, just see what happens. Just spend two weeks on it and, and get it out there and see what happens. And it's so funny because I could say that on this podcast and someone who needs to hear it, like a lot of people who need to hear that would, be, would get it and be like, okay, I'm going to do it. But so many wouldn't. Right? They, would just, they would just fly right over their head until you're in a forum and they're asking some question. You're saying, you know what? You've got this more than enough figured out to get started. So put up your website and let's see if you can write 25 posts in the next month. You know? And then, it, then it's just like, it's just, okay, now I just have to do that. Like They just needed someone that they've deemed whatever yeah. further along than them to give them permission to do marching it. orders. Exactly. And it's, and it, it, and it's just so, such a simple thing, but we just can't be everywhere all the time. You know, uh, so hopefully this this position, well, not hopefully, this position will directly impact that. Yeah, and uh, and and just you know to tie this back to other podcasts that we've done um, around metrics, you know, the things that we measure in the business and how we grow the business over time. With a subscription model like ours, there are a couple of things that you focus on. One is how many new members do you get in the door. And another one is how long do those members stick around? And that's, you know, mm-hmm. with those two numbers, along with, you know, what, uh, what people are paying every month, you can figure out your lifetime value of a customer. And in order to go grow revenue, you need to grow customers. And in order to grow customers, you need to get people to stick around as long as, uh, you can. And we're betting that this member success position, the role will be to get people to stick around longer because they experience all that Fizzle has to offer because we have someone in there really making sure that they are, you know, being guided in the right direction so that when somebody has a question like that, like you're talking about, um, Chase at Pioneer Nation, hopefully we have someone to provide that answer in real time. And, and maybe that was my long-winded way of saying what you were about to say next. <laughs> what was I about I to say I don't know. Next? It seems like that's, I just started thinking that's probably where you were going with I, that story. I don't really, I don't, now, now I'm awfully concerned and I'm a bit curious really about what it was I was about to say. So what, I think Corbett just assumed that you always have something to say next yeah, if, you, yeah. if we just leave the mic open. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit of an ass. I had to, me, I had to talk it? block you. Um, <laughs> hey, so you guys, uh, since we've talked last, you two have each been somewhere kind of exciting as well, right? Uh, yeah, well, depends. How much do you know? I don't know. What? Oh, is there somewhere that you went that we don't know about? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in my mind, I go an awful lot of places, so I'm kind of curious as to which one in particular you're talking about. Well, we're are you talking? Business, are you, are you talking of Pioneer yeah. Nation? And then where, Caleb? Where'd you go? I went to the. Philippines. Oh yeah, you went really. Yeah, you went somewhere super sexy and cool. Tell me about that. Where did you go? So I went to Cebu in the Philippines to speak at Chris Ducker's Tropical Think Tank event, which was Wasn't Cebu, one of the Ninja Turtles. Like one of the like little guys. Mm, no, the- those were all named after Italian uh, artists and stuff, right? Close though. <laughs> Do you know they're remaking Ninja Turtles? Michael Bay, Megan Fox. I just Shut saw up. a preview it's, for it. You mean it's Transformers they're- Four? Dude, exactly. It looks so horrible. I saw the little thumbnail and I got so excited. Cause do you remember how amazing? The Ninja Turtles movie was back in the day with Casey Jones and the Ninja Turtles. Is amazing uh, the word? Amazing! Oh my god, you got to be kidding me! They were in like the. Uh, it looked for me. It looked so cool as a kid. The way the Ninja Watch Turtles looked. Watch it look. again. And it was good. It was <laughs> go Ninja, go Ninja, go, go. Ninja. <laughs> One yeah, of Vanilla right, Ice's best songs, right there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Vanilla Ice. The, the the Ninja Rap. And you remember you walked into like the Foot Clan. The headquarters and people are like skateboarding everywhere and they're stealing stereos and I was like, man, I gotta go to, I gotta go to that city. Where? What city was the name in the Ninja Turtles? I don't know. What was the name of the city? I don't you've, remember. You've, okay, reached, you've reached the outer boundaries of my TMNT knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so, as there, Chris put on a conference. There were eight speakers and twenty-five attendees. And that's Chris Ducker, right? Yeah, really Got cool it. event. Um, completely different than any other conference I've been to because of how small it was and how um intimate it was with that many people and having it be you know five six days in a remote place where you're not 
you know, staying at different hotels, making your own clicks and doing your own thing. You're like with mm. everyone all the time. So yeah, really cool event. Nice. And what, awesome. what was your talk about, Caleb? So I gave two. One was on teamwork makes a dream work. So I talked a lot about how we all work in separate locations and how we stay on the same page and get things done. And then or, my or other don't one, get things done. Or don't get things done. Yeah. And then my other one was on making the transition and not fizzling out. So how not to quit whatever you're doing in the first year and have it fail. Nice. Wow. Yeah. A couple of new topics I for like you, it. I think. Yeah, it was good to change it up a little bit. Gideon Shalik was there talking video stuff, so I didn't talk video at all, and I didn't talk about some of the other stuff I've talked about before. So yeah, it was good to switch it up a little bit. Sweet. That's a oh my gosh, my my phone just did the thing that it did that it used to always do with electric equipment. You know how when like you get a phone call and you'd hear this like buzz or crackle somewhere before it rings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it hasn't done that in so oh, long. Man. Now all of a sudden, it just I used did to have that. a phone that did that all the time. Like no matter if there was a speaker around anywhere, or if you had headphones on, yeah, yeah I'd be like, "Hey, my phone's gonna it ring." It started sounding like, like, a, like, what? like a fax yeah. machine or something. Yeah, <laughs> totally. God, that's wild. That was like weirdly kind of nostalgia <laughs> for like things breaking down. Um, let's see. Okay, so Caleb, you also moved as well to a new place, but not in the same town, right? In the same literally building. about fifty yards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you were really you're literally in the same building. In the same complex that you were at, yeah. Oh my gosh. So is it a little bit of a bigger spot or just different? Yeah, we added a bedroom, so my wife and I don't have to share an office anymore. Oh, yeah. Get out of the office. You I know just shoot mean? too many videos and podcasts and yeah. kept kicking her out. Yep. Yeah. Felt bad. Get out of here. Come on, I gotta shoot a video. <laughs> Can is Candace here yet? Is Candace and Cinnamon here? Come on, babe, I'm gonna shoot this video. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Oh, I miss your laugh, Corbett. I miss your laugh with like the the rude, rude jokes that I that I that we always make together. You're gonna get it on Thursday. So, I have a feeling there's some, some I, pent up energy. I'm gonna get it so hard. Yeah. I'm gonna get it so hard. Actually, you're gonna have off gas. You just spent the whole time in Mexico with a bunch of debaucherous, uh, you know, refugees from society down there. Uh, yeah, I, we're trying to we're we're trying to rest up though to save some for you in the tank. Okay, good, good. So, um, so I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about Pioneer Nation and then go into one of the main chunks from my workshop on branding that I did there for them. Um, so Pioneer Nation was a, a new conference. It was the first year that, that it's been put on, put on by the guys who put on WDS, Chris Gilbo and the whole crew uh, that of <laughs> the minion of <laughs> volunteers that he has. Uh, I know. How many did he have there? It was countless. It was countless. Like you couldn't, you couldn't, every time you think you'd counted them all, there's like more that would come out. Like it was like the Foot Clan. Like they just kept coming out from behind shades and windows and, and boxes and, and things. manholes and stuff. Manholes, lots of manholes, like jumping out of like <laughs> moving trucks and things like with just stereo equipment, uh, lots of skateboarding. Oh man. Man, that scene was so good. I have to go watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. Wait, do you think you could watch it with Aiden? Would he get it? Uh... Dude, it'd be way too. It, he, if he saw that, his whole brain would melt, and he yeah. would just he would freak. He would be out. in love with those guys. I'm trying so, and he would just get super violent for like a, a week and a half. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and I'm trying. So we're trying like so hard. Just oh, <laughs> uh, remember they each had a different weapon. Yeah, One of course they did. Raphael had the sigh, which I was like, that is the dumbest weapon in the world. <laughs> it's like a hand knife that's blunt. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so dumb, isn't it? Yeah, it's like p- for practicing. It's for f-ing practicing. This guy has a as a weapon for practicing. Donatello had the bow. Leonardo's the, the only guy with an actual thing that could hurt you, which is a sword. He had a freaking samurai sword. Michelangelo's got the nunchuck, which was so cool. It was so cool. But really, really I mean, cool. we're gonna lose our side contingency. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Perfect. So. Uh, the uh, Pioneer Nation's all about Ninja Turtles. Uh, no, it was this. It was this conference that Chris Gilbo and the crew put on here in Portland, smaller than WDS uh, by a long shot, and it was sort of geared at people who were a step beyond, uh, or, or not a step beyond. Rather, it was supposed to be really tactical. All workshops, for the most part, um, and whereas w, if WDS is like the inspiration and looks what look what's possible, this was like the. Uh, workshop checklist here's what you need to have a great sales page here's what you need to write a headline here's what you need to figure out about your brand and about the this that and the other lot lots of things like that with of course i mean you can't have a 
most of us excel in that inspirational message. <laughs> most of us, wherever we go, what we're actually hoping to speak on is like the 10 things I learned starting my online business. Because leading a workshop on 25 ways to write great headlines is kind of a boring thing uh, in the end. So, but anyways, it was great. Really good crew of people came in from all around. Uh, most of us who were tapped to speak were tapped to speak like uh, eight, ten days before the event actually happened. So, um, you, does that mean you were all from Portland, or they were people that were going so, to attend? Anyway? So many people from Portland, and then there was a few from far out that that were tagged before that. But even so, like, didn't sound like it was much before. Chris, it sounded like the, it seems like uh, the guy who I worked with most of the time was Tyler Devoren who I'm a huge fan of and I am a little bit in love with um, because of his mustache, which he shaved. Did you know that? What? Yep. He's not the same guy anymore. R.I.P. He rebranded himself. He's he's dead to me. R.I.P. Traverse Dash. And anyways, suffice it to say, it was a great event. It was really cool. I loved meeting people there. Got There was a couple fizzlers. Got to send a shout out to Will uh and uh what was it ruth i think that i met and chatted with for a little while i spent a long time with will who was a really cool guy um and uh working hard on his business and it was cool meeting him and just a bunch of other people then got to spend some more time with nathan barry who's just the most adorable purebred like thoroughbred white man you've ever met (laughs) like he's perfect and you didn't you like knew it before he started dancing but then he started dancing you're like well that's settled (laughs) (laughs) It was really good, you guys. Um, I did the first thing where, uh, for the first time, I, ever since an interview with Ryan Carson, who's the founder of Treehouse, I heard an interview with him on Dan Benjamin's show a long time ago, and, he's, and he used to do a lot of events. And he said that he would wear a hat to every event, this like wide-brimmed hat, just as a thing so that people would be able to pull him out of the crowd. Since he was putting on the event, he wanted to be found easily by the people who needed to find him. So he started doing that, right? And then it kind of became like the brand for him. And ever since I heard that, I was like, well, maybe I could try something sort of cute like that. Then I realized, Caleb, you're always wearing the the derby cap, you know, the little golfer's cap. Yeah. And Corbett, ever since I met you, you would always wear your little Gorman Brothers hats. In in Skype right now, Corbett's wearing a hat. And in Skype, you're literally wearing a hat. Yeah, Yeah, I actually sleep with it on. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. So, uh, So I decided, like, I was in Mexico the week before. Uh, with my family, which was a great little respite. Unfortunately, I didn't get to come visit you, Corbett. But um, so you bought a sombrero. It's a big country. I brought a sombrero, and that's what I—that became my <laughs> and a donkey. And I just walked around going, shooting my fun pistols in the air. Pistols? Is that a thing? No. No. Can pistols be a thing? It can be if you want it to be. You make up enough stuff as it is. <laughs> That's true. My quote is filled already. Um, so I, I, I have this old suede hat that was my grandpa's. It's like from the 40s. It says Saks Fifth Avenue on the inside. Ooh. It's the real deal. Your grandpa was fancy. He's a high roller. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, and I, I've had it for a long time. It just I always thought it looked kind of weird on me, but I tried to wear it. A while ago, I decided, like, I'm going to be the hat guy. Like, I'm going to try this out around Portland just to, just to, just to kind of get me, because I was so uncomfortable with it, to wear it just to, just to be uncomfortable. Like, I just, like, because I felt because people would be judging me, like, oh, look at this guy trying the hat thing. Really? You're going to go for the hat thing? Oh, it's the hat guy, everyone. The hat yeah, guy's think, here. Tom Waits or something? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was like, I was like, the truth is nobody cares. Nobody says that. Shit. So why don't you just wear this to be uncomfortable, just to be uncomfortable? Because because those are the kind of things I think about. Well, I took it to Mexico and I thought like, hey, maybe I'll make it my travel hat. My other grandpa has a book of of about fifty photos that he's he took the same exact little like fishing hat with him everywhere he go- he went around the world for the past fifty years since he's been traveling quite a bit. And so he's got, we made this like book for him on his 80th birthday of him taking that hat to like Fiji, Hawaii, Mexico, Venice, like all of the places that he would take that hat. And then he'd have a picture taken of him in the hat. I thought it was just like a cute little old man thing to do. So I was like, maybe this could be my hat and I could be a cute old man. So I tried it. Uh, then I came home and I was so used to wearing the, the hat. I decided to wear it to the event. Turns out, and now I, I'm going to wear that hat to every event. Like it works. It really works, Corbett. I know why you wear the hat now, besides your like receding hairline, but like for the other reasons. 
<laughs> for the other reasons. Hey, you know, um, we're going to have to endure like the being the Hat Brothers or whatever. That's the only issue. And that's where where it was like, you know what? This can be a part of the brand, baby. This can All be right. a part of the thing. So we're less we're less chasing Corbett. We're more our, we're more more hats and Caleb too because he's always wearing the Derby hat. So it's like we're the hat. We're the hat guys. Like we're the we're the oh look it's the hat oh wait are those the hat guys yeah it's the hat guys who's fizzle oh, is that made by the hat guys yeah that's made by the hat guys oh yeah 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 I know those guys they were wearing hats that's right that's the hat guys that's fizzle oh that's brilliant. fizzle it's the hat guys it's that sort of thing <laughs> it's brilliant <laughs> I, I can't I, it can't. that's it that you know that's the key screw product screw member success hats the hat is going to make the business exactly my thought good call uh so so that's a cool story uh where was this going <laughs> so it was going to uh first of all i felt really uncomfortable wearing the hat second of all okay. everybody <laughs> responded really well uh to the hat third of all i did a talk on the main stage for about 15 minutes they did like case studies where, where, where they called them case studies what it really meant is you got the stage for 15 minutes don't don't nice. up, you know and so there's about 300 or four 350 people there or something and of course, I had just found out three days before that I was doing a case study. Tyler's all, hey, one of the guys dropped out. Could you do this? And I am being being the dancing monkey that I am. I was like, of course. So I, I throw myself into a pit of despair trying to figure out what the hell I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do on stage because I really wanted to make it good. And I, I, you would love this, by the way. I think there, there'll be a video of this at some point. But when they introduced me, when Tyler introduced me, I took the stage as the Irish voice. And just said, right, well, principally, I'm, I'm exceedingly excited just to be here, right? Just to be on stage. And I'm sitting wondering, the fact am I going to say it to you people? You know what I mean? And <laughs> Did you say fact? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. Uh, and then uh, I meant to. I had this whole thing planned out. And then it's amazing right. how much you forget. And just your brain just like marauds on because you're so terrified. Totally. So I did Irish, then I did English, and then I did Jamaican, and then I did the, the like intentionally, intentionally, inten- or was it just intentionally a- the like ambiguously gay uh, Atlanta guy, right? Like, I don't really, mm-hmm. I don't really know why someone would say something like that, you know? Um, right. I and I did that. And originally, I was doing that just because I was going to do a, a, like a whole. It's so important to find your voice thing, right? And uh, yep. and but then I kicked that part out because I was like, that's sort of boring, and everybody knows that. But I wanted to keep the voices in, so I found a way to do it. And I tell the story, nice. Corbett, of how uh, how you and I met, and how you were wearing the hat, and I thought you were a gay dude, and I was alone at a party in L.A. <laughs> with a sore stomach, taking a shot of Fernet, and then this gay dude says, you like Fernet? And then I'm like, here I am, lonely, at the party, with a sore stomach, but I got Fernet, that's going to help my stomach. He likes Fernet. Sure, I'll chat up this gay dude for a little bit. <laughs> And so, I don't know if I've ever heard that part of the story, but I'm flattered. You are. Because, uh, yeah. And then I, was, then I made him know that I was just like so bummed you weren't gay, but you were fabulous. Uh, anyways, yeah. it was a really good, it, it was, it went well. It couldn't, it could have gone a little bit better maybe, but uh, I think it went really well. And then I, I saw, I saw a little like Vine video or something of it. Yeah, that was, was kind of cool. I thought it was an image when I retweeted it. And then I was like, whoa, that's a video. Ooh, that's strange. <laughs> um, so suffice it to say, Pioneer Nation was awesome. If you get a chance to go next year, you should totally check it out. Uh, uh, very, very cool crew. I want to say hi to and, and what's up to everybody that we met there, and uh, uh, especially the Fizzles. I was really, I can't believe I spent so much time working on my talk that I didn't even put together like a Fizzle meetup or something. That felt like a missed opportunity to me. I was kind of bummed. Yeah. We kind of need two people at those events, I think. We tell, it, was, it was kind of a bummer. And it was just because it was such late, late notice. I spent so much time getting my stuff ready, you know? So let's, let me tell you a little bit about this branding thing, that, or at least the, the, the sort of center of this branding workshop that I gave uh, at Pioneer Nation. It, it went really well. Had about, uh, I was competing with the guy on the main stage uh, for because <laughs> there was like the main stage and there was a bunch of these little satellite rooms. And they just shoved me in this little back room I don't think they knew how how me I'd be on stage and how many people would be like, I want more of that. What was that? I'm going to his thing. Yeah. Where's the hat guy at? Yeah. That guy's hammered. Let's He's, go see what he does. Exactly. Look at the hat guy was drunk. <laughs> Maybe he'll have booze. And so it was really fun. Uh, this branding thing was about how to make a compelling brand, right? Or, or a consistent something or other. And, and uh, so I took some stuff from the Defining Your Audience course 
in the fizzle course, uh, which is the first one we encourage people to take within fizzle if they haven't t- taken any of them. Uh, and then a bunch of uh, some stuff from uh, uh, the, the web design course and a bunch of new stuff I've been thinking about. And you'll notice this, guys, from even in my, uh, in my defining the audience course, uh, I do a lot of this mashup stuff, or I have been doing for a while, a lot of this mashup stuff of things that I pick up about story in other places. And I haven't really known why I'm caring so much about story, but I can't get it out of my head. So there's like Don Miller's Million Miles in a Thousand Years book, which I think is just phenomenal. I read it, I read it all the way through the other day in one sitting just because I was like, oh, I wonder, wonder if there's a little quote or a little story anecdote I can use in my thing. And three hours later, I had read through the whole book. It was awesome. Um, been used, reading that. Also, the uh, Nancy Duarte stuff, Resonate, her yeah. big big book. Uh, mm-hmm. She talks a lot about the story stuff in that. Um, and I have gotten the chance to go to one of their uh, seminars thing where one of our, our friends has run it, Mike Pacquion, who's just the best of the best, as far as I'm concerned, for figuring out presentation stuff and all that. So through those two, and then there's another, there's a new podcast that Caleb, you'd probably geek out about if you're not listening to it called uh, Script Notes. Have you heard that one? I haven't heard of it, no. So these guys are are like old school, like they're just not old school, rather. They they just, they're workhorse script writers, right? They've written tons and they've been working for, for ages. And for instance, the one I just listened to, they dissected all of Groundhog Day because it was written by Harold Ramis. Oh my God. Uh, and who just passed was, away. Who just passed away, right? So- it was amazing to hear them talk about it and to um, to just dissect the movie and say, like, why is why are we doing this? This is such a brilliant way to make us care about the character or make us understand that he's a total asshole and douchebag here or make us understand that this is the transformation that he went through by the end of the movie and this is the scene that makes it happen. I don't know why I'm just so curious and interested in that. Uh, I have some theories now, but I have been. I've been geeking out about it. And one of the reasons why, and I don't think this is the whole reason why, but one of the reasons why is because I have this concept of story that I've worked into marketing ever since we've designed, redesigned Think Traffic, um, where I did, I'll tell you about that story in a second. So, uh, you guys ready to go with me on a little bit of a story journey? Yeah, let's do it. Shoot, you need to set the tone or something, or? <laughs> it was a dark there and we go. stormy night. There we go. We were in Portland, and there weren't any black people around. Bum, bum, bum! How on earth could this city live with such non-diversity? Sorry, that you know, it was like the worst. It was the best example I could come up with. Is like possibly one of the worst I could have. Yeah, it's okay. It's not even funny. They're it's not, not even funny. They're not all it's not even runs. interesting. They're not all home runs. Some of us sometimes some, you strike out. Yeah. Sometimes you, you sometimes you go to bunt it and you and you strike out. <laughs> you know, every once in a while. Sure. So, um, so let's talk about story. Uh, one of the best uh, little definitions of story that I've heard is, is in Don Miller's book, uh, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And he says, a story is simply this, a character who wants something and overcomes obstacles to get it, okay? A character who wants something and overcomes obstacles to get it. So we have a character, this main character, this individual person, and something that they desire, and then these obstacles in the way that uh, that that... Anyways, that, that, that are in the way of what he desires. And I could get into a lot of, uh, clearly I'm at this point now where I like, know too much and it's like almost unhelpful about story because the point I'm trying to make is very simple. <laughs> so I'm going to try to stick to that. Right. Um, and you guys chime in if you, when you have questions because otherwise I'm going to be sitting here monologuing for the next 15 minutes and that's too much like a regular fizzle show. Are you, so, are you wearing pants? I am wearing pants, but I'm, and unfortunately I'm not too, I'm kind of cold so I got to leave them on. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> So I think the main, uh, I think in most of our businesses, we make the main character fallacy. Okay. So there's the, this is the, 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 the part where I run around the room and I say, here's the, here's what we do. Here's how we pursue our businesses. Like we read a Chris Gillibo post or a Pat Flynn podcast we listen to or something from Think Traffic and we realize, oh my God, I have the tools to do this thing. And, and then we, we're, then what, what is my business going to be? You know, what is my business going to be? So they go to the whiteboard and they think, hmm. Me, 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 and then I mead. But then I, I would me. I, I would me. Hmm. If I me, me, 
And the entrepreneur has her first big idea, me. And then the entrepreneur runs over to the, to the, to the typewriter and is like, click, 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 me, 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 I, I, I. And then I would, me, 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 bing, me, 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 me. That was the carriage return, right? Me, 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 me. It's really, you might have to explain that to Caleb. It always gets a laugh. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, I don't understand that. Why wouldn't you just use a computer? <laughs> but so the, then you're writing up your business plan. Me, 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 me. And you rip the page out and you're so excited to tell the world about your idea. And you go stand on the street corner and you hold up your, your business idea in your arms and your hands and you yell out, me, right? And you do this thing and you expect the world to return and respond and be so excited. And it's crickets. And more than crickets, like normally someone will show up and just be like, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life, you know, or something, right? right. Someone will make you try to feel like a piece of shit. That's how most of it, I mean, that, that's kind of how we all kind of start with our businesses. And we skin our knees on that once or twice, sometimes more than that, before we realize that equation is pretty much almost never works out in, in, in an excellent business idea. It could mean a really interesting novel or a really interesting piece of art my expression of my experience in the world, but not a great business idea most of the time. There's another way of looking at it that I think, looking back for me, it has been like the biggest paradigm shift in business ever for me. And I I mean that, like this has been the most important concept in business for me up to this point, or at least the, the thing that, that changed the way I was pursuing my business more than any other thing I had learned. Um, because there's another way to pursue it. And, and I, this is where I, I get into, I could go a hundred different ways, but I want to tell the story of, um, of when we were designing Think Traffic. We, what I, the first thing I did, and I don't know if you remember this, Corbett, or if I even told you much about it, but the first thing I did was I read through every single comment on the website, on Think Traffic. I read through all, whatever, several, several thousands of these comments. I mean, there were so many. And I went and I clicked through every single one and I spent hours and days reading through these things. And by the way, that's, I mean, people, whatever, you can go into design and stuff, but that's incredible. Just, I guarantee that there are no designers out there who go to that length to understand the audience that they're working for. And not that it's like you have to do this many, but like, like, because the point that can't, it was the first time I'd ever done it because it was the first time I ever worked on a site that, that was so big. I've worked on sites that had uh, traffic like that, but that did not have a kind of community like that, right? So working on sites for products or for startups or things like that that have a lot of traffic, but no, nobody's commenting. You're not All you have is their behavior on the site via analytics. You don't have their actual words that you can digest and go and, and see what, how they're responding to the, to the yep. things that you're writing, right? So I read through everything. And as you're doing this, first of all, you're like, oh my God, shoot me, kill me now. And then you start to get, and then you start to like recognize a couple of the avatars. And then you start to resonate, recognize a lot of them and you start to become friends with them and talk with them, which is sort of weird. But when you're doing this at two or three in the morning, it, it fits. Um, you start to recognize these little threads. You see that she had commented two months ago in a post and now you're reading another post from her and her tone sort of shifted and she's talking a little bit differently. And then and then a, a week from then she comments again and she's kind of asking more questions and this, that, and the other. And you just kind of pick up. You could see someone grow through this thing or you could see someone get progressively more frustrated, which is what happened with a guy named Steve on the site. Um, and uh, do you remember Steve's last name? Hold on. Because uh, he just emailed Roy. me the, the other day. Was it Steve Roy? Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Avatar with the baseball hat. I kept seeing this avatar, Steve, with the baseball hat. And I, uh, it's funny because a lot of comments on websites, right? You can get like the whole, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few th- categories you can just kind of skip. And one of them is like, uh, is like, I like site. You like my site? Please click to see, right? Something like that. That's a whole category of comments. Uh, you could just, okay, maybe it's not the most valuable thing in the world. And then there's like another category of like, oh my God, this is such a great post. Thank you. You know, there's that whole thing. And then, but so like comments from Steve would like stick out like a sore thumb because they were, it was clearly neither of those. You could tell that he was like sort of cautious about everything. He like didn't want to take it at face value. He was interested. He was trying things. Uh, and, so he's one of these thread that really threads that really stuck out to me. And then I saw this one comment 
from him. And I think it was ended up being the last comment on, on Think Traffic at all. And it was, you know, I have over 20,000 unique visitors to my site every month. Right? I got a lot of traffic. I just cannot, for the life of me, figure out how to monetize this thing. And so I kept clicking, looking, 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 and there were no more comments from Steve. So I started doing some research. I click on Steve's website, like, uh oh, it's the Bluehost, like, uh, generic site under page not found. Or, yeah, yeah, page not found thing. It's like, oh, and I found it. Do more research, find his like Twitter and like his last, uh, his last uh, tweet was something like like taking taking time off, like giving you. Know, giving up for a little while or something like that. I can't remember the, exactly. So this guy had, had, had essentially, uh, and, and like, like, like I said, Steve's been in touch, so now it's like maybe he'll actually, he'll write in and he'll tell me what was actually going on at some point. He, he'd clearly pulled the plug on his thing um, because even though he had built something that has lots of traffic, he couldn't figure out how to make it work money-wise. And that was the first story that I cared a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about. And that's what I, that's by the way, why I was looking into the comments. Cause I wanted, originally I wanted just to get a sense uh, for like who these people are. And then uh, it instilled Steve's stories story instilled in me a little more than just like, Oh, here's what's going on. It was like, I actually cared. I actually wanted Steve not to fail. I actually saw what was, this is like the second big thing about uh, story. I saw what was at stake for Steve if if you know he didn't uh listen to you Corbett at think traffic and what's at stake for the fizzlers and things like that I'll, I'll try to clarify that here in a second so after doing that exercise I cared enough and that was the first moment that I realized that neither Corbett nor I as the designer were the main character of that website but it was Steve and it was girls and guys like Steve who were trying to build that thing there's this scene in uh in Star Wars, where Obi-Wan actually gives, and this is in the first, historically the first movie that was made. So it's called A New Hope, I think, right, Caleb? Yep. Um, I always known it as Star Wars. But there's a, is there another movie called Star Wars? It's epi- it just the, episode four, right? It's episode four. Yeah, the four. subtitle is New Hope. Okay, Technically, that's the first Star Wars, and they just call it Star Wars. For some reason, I always remember calling that one particularly Star Wars. Um, obviously, the whole thing is the Star Wars saga or whatever, but... Anyways, there's a scene where Obi-Wan, or Ben, uh, was giving, gives Luke Skywalker, do you remember what he gives him, Caleb? The lightsaber? His, from his, his dad? Da- yeah, his dad's lightsaber. Yeah. And so there's this little scene where up to now, Luke doesn't know anything about anybody and what's going on. Ben sort of has his hunches about Luke and, and the importance of this kid for the you know stakes and the fate of the universe. And he gives him his dad's lightsaber. And it's sort of like this little microcosm scene where there's C-3PO on one side, R2-D2 on the other, and Ben's giving Luke his dad's lightsaber. And the whole movie is sort of in this one shot. Um, and I think a lot of us behave in our businesses like we're the Luke Skywalker of the story. The me, 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 me. So the whole movie's in this one scene. And so I think, I kind of also think that our businesses we could look at our business and it's all on this one scene. And so many of the time we make the mistake that we're the Luke Skywalker, but we're not. Steve's the Luke Skywalker. Okay. Your customer, your audience, your ideal, you know, reader, that person, that's the main character of your business. And so in first thing traffic, it was Steve and Steve has this dragon to slay. Steve has this empire to go defeat and to quest against. And Steve's whole life is more important. uh, Like, to Ben Kenobi, to Obi-Wan, Luke Skywalker is the point. And so Ben does what he needs to do to get Luke to be as successful in this quest as possible, like give him his dad's uh, lightsaber. And now that is, that's who we are. Okay, we're the mentor. We're Ben. We're Obi-Wan. I keep calling him Ben. Maybe that's kind of confusing. We're Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda. We're teaching Luke how to deal with the ways of the force, how to whatever. If their business is about fitness, you're the teacher, you're the mentor, but ultimately your main character is the one that has to defeat their own demons, has to accomplish what they need to accomplish, get over the obstacles that are in the way of what they want. So remember going back to that framework and that, that, that definition is that a main character is someone who wants something and overcomes obstacles to get it. Well, 
you as the business owner then, as a mentor looking at this main character set, you need to know what your main character wants and what's in their way. And then you make the tools, the lightsabers, the artifacts, the, the, the resources that they need to get closer and closer to their desire. And this framework, like I said, is, I mean, I think because in this is, is what I've always kind of talked about when we talk about value. This was the metaphor for me that made this clear. Whereas before all the design projects and all the work that I would do and all the things that I would do for Father Apprentice, I was always trying to, um, to make people see how interesting and cool I was, how smart and, and all this stuff that I was. I'm a great writer. I'm a you know, compelling video guy, like trying to do all this stuff. And it didn't change for me. Father Apprentice mission didn't come together for me until one of my close friends actually uh, got into a situation where he had a kid he wasn't planning on and did not want to have with a particular woman, right? That's when I saw what was at stake when I cared greatly for my main character and the challenges that he had ahead of him because this guy's a bit of a time bomb. And I'm like, oh no, don't. Now it's like, he's like, you careful, man. You're going to f this kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something like that. Um, where I saw what was at stake, that's where I finally had a mission yep. for my business. Now this, remember in the context, this was a, at a branding workshop. <laughs> so I haven't even talked about branding yet. I haven't even mentioned the logo or anything like that. And the truth is, I think the reason why your brand connects or doesn't is because you either nail this mission and the main character lands on your site and realizes you understand their story and their mission and their quest, or or they don't because your logo doesn't mean anything to anyone. Your copy is it could your your design and layout probably doesn't, but it could be the ugliest most horrible brand in the world, right? In terms of the aesthetics of it, it could look so poor. But the copy really nails your target your your, your target market, your customer, your ideal customer whatever, right? Nails your Luke Skywalker their desire, their pain, their struggle, their mission that they're on, the quest that they're in. And if you can understand that quest and have empathy for and care about that quest, you are probably smart enough to figure out some great for your audience. I feel good. I get, I get really kind of bummed when I see so many people just so hungry for like these direct tips. Just tell me exactly what to say. Just tell me exactly what I need to make for my audience. When the truth is you're creative, you're interesting and you, you can do enough work to know your audience better than anyone else and make something that no one else could ever make for them. But instead you're going to make them something that anybody could make for them just because you wanted some tip from some person out there giving you tips about 49 ways to write a better piece of content, right? But if you actually care about Steve and what's at stake for Steve or Luke Skywalker, whoever your version of that is, then you start making up absolute, like, you know, to Corbett's most famous blog post, you start making epic because you're looking at the world through your eyes. You're looking at your main character through your eyes as the mentor, giving them something that only you could give them. Um, So that's, uh, let me, and, and what, last part, yeah. what's that? No, and I, I was just going to add to that. The, the beauty of that, and I, I agree 100%, the beauty of understanding your Luke Skywalker really well and the problem that he or she faces is that that buys you so much time because if you really understand the problem and you can articulate it back to your Luke Skywalker really well, yeah. then they have all this trust and you've built all this credibility. And even if you don't have the perfect solution right now, you have a whole bunch of time. And I think you can even start building a business before you have that perfect solution just because if you break through and you describe someone's problem almost better than they understand it themselves, then they're going to follow you for quite some time and give you some latitude to work through to figure out the actual solution. Yep. And that's, I mean, that there's this old adage in marketing. I can't remember who, who it's attributed to, but yeah, if you tell someone about someone's about their own problem better than they can themselves, they automatically trust you. They've al- they already trust you. They assume that you have the solution. They, yeah, that's the one, right? They assume you have the solution, and it's true. I mean, th- th- I I kind of have this theory that marketing is this dark arts because we're all dealing with problems, right? We, we always talk about pain points and, and all of these sorts of things because we're talking about darkness, the darkness and, and then the light 
You know, right? So for Luke Skywalker, there's the darkness and the light. There's the pain and the desire. There's, there's what we want to move away from and what we want to move towards as a character in our own stories and stuff like that. So getting really good at the dark arts of marketing, which is understanding the problem, understanding the desire this person has and, and the, the, the things that are standing in the way, the obstacles, is your job first and foremost. Um, and then this last part is, uh, I'll do this part briefly, on steaks, uh, not the kind you cut with a fork and chew the fat on because uh, those are not pain points. Those, <laughs> those are delicious those are, points. <laughs> those are delicious points. Um, but what's at stake for your character? And this is, uh, this is different than the obstacles that are in the way. I mean, a simple story is like Bob wanted a, a baby but couldn't find a girl. And so he tried this, that, and the other. And then, you know, it wasn't until he gave up on finding the baby that he actually found the woman that he really loved. And then, uh, whatever. Right. That's a, that's a story. What you could also get into is, is create, is putting a, like when I tell stories to Aiden, this is something that I tried to do a while ago and I do it less and less because he's kind of bored with it now. Is you have a say you have a three or four year old, uh, you can try start try this start telling a story to them. But first, the only thing you the only thing you know in your mind is you make up a bad guy, so that you start with the bad guy. You start the story with this dragon that lived in this the hills behind this village, and he was a dragon. And try not to use that word with your kids, but he was angry and this, that, and the other. Just start with the dragon and watch that. Watch how the story just makes itself up from there. Because when you have a really bad, bad guy, you kind of know what's going to happen. You kind of know you need a good guy, and the good guy is going to probably like try to save the princess or something. But the dragon's going to like take the princess. Like these things just end up happening randomly once you have a really good bad guy. Same thing with our businesses. When you understand really well what's at stake, what's the dragon, what's the Darth Vader or the or the you know the Death Star spaceship in your story for your character. When you understand that darkness, like Rembrandt, he's the painter of light. We always call him the painter of light, but he starts every canvas pitch pitch black, paints all the shadow first, and then the light comes out from that. And by the way, Corbett, I wanted to talk to you or or to Jesse about that because I was like looking for where did I hear that? Some art history class 101 and (laughs) back at Westmont or something. But uh, I need to talk to your wife about it. Is that actually true? (laughs) Did that actually happen? No idea. I don't know either. You've said it Uh, enough that you should probably know the answer. I've said it enough that I know it's true. That's how it works. I'm feeling the truth at you. Um, but when we start with, what, with what's at stake, for Steve, what was at stake was failing, was quitting, was giving up, was potentially going home to a family and being like I would have been, like moody and introspective and a little bit of a, I'd been, I would have been a shithead. I would, be, I would be angry with myself. I'd feel like a failure. I'd feel weak. I would feel uh, impotent, right? All of these things. You, you see those things, and it might, might have been just a really, and again, I'm be, I'll be able to talk to Steve soon. I, I, I'll share this episode with him, and he could clear up all the details with me. But what actually happened, but this whole fable erupted in my head when I saw that he had pulled the cord on his website, which I believe subsequently he's, he's plugged back in. Uh, so, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Anyways, this whole bit of stakes that, that I'm not really nailing that hard right now, but if you could just ask what's at stake for your main character if they don't listen to you, if they don't yeah, believe what you say, what you say. And, and a good, a good exercise for that maybe is the five whys or the, you know, the, uh, the infinite whys. just say, you know, Steve wants to blank, you know, that's the thing that he wants. And then just ask yourself why. And then when yep. you answer that, ask why, you know, Steve yep. wants to build a business. Why? So that he can leave his job that he doesn't like. Why? Because he feels like, uh, he's a failure to his wife and his kids and blah, blah, blah. And why? And, yep. you know, he always had this thing in him when he was a kid, knowing that he wanted to be an entrepreneur, you know, and why? And just keep digging into it. And then you'll start to understand Steve better than he un- understands himself because maybe he's never asked himself all of those why questions. Yeah, and a final rich tip here. There's this scene in, you remember this in X-Men? There's one of the mutants who can like, uh, uh, and I don't think it was Xavier, I think it was someone else, who could like find every mutant on Earth. Um, and the way that the filmmaker did this, there's this like cloudy sort of area, and you'd see all these individual peoples there. Uh, and, then, and then this camera would like pan around, zoom around really quick, like seeing everyone, and then zoom up on one person and like slowly drift off because that's not the one they were looking for, you know? I'm going to do that a series of times. And we could zoom out and try to see everyone, and it's impossible to make a story there. 
That's why when I'm reading thousands of comments on Think Traffic, I'm not caring till I read enough to, to see some individual data points for a unique person. For a person, so I could see, oh wow, that person went from point A to point B through the course of these two posts. That's when I start to see a story. And I, there's no, there's no trick to this. It's just humans. You start to see and care. This will happen to you unless you're, Maybe maybe you're super angry and a horrible person. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But uh, but for me, I've always been surprised because it just happens. Once you see a few data points for an individual person, you can't help but like, oh, okay, I'd like to help them on their journey. Chances are it'll remind you of your own story, and that's why you care about their thing because you see them making mistakes that are like, oh, my God, don't think that way. No, you don't need to do that. You don't need to have that done before now. You know, just get started right now, right? Things like that. Kind of back to that sometimes people just need an excuse to have permission from somebody else. For some reason, we need that external validation. Um, so the final tip being, zoom in on your one or two people or, or maybe do it a couple times for individuals. It wasn't till I saw my one friend who had this new kid coming and, and immediately what's at stake erupted for me and I cared and I started putting together different things on Think Track or on uh, on Father Apprentice. Okay, it wasn't until we nailed down who our like uh, our exact target person was, our ideal reader was for Fizzle that I could really kind of chart my course for what we need to make for that one person. Um, th- getting to the individual, like Stephen King wrote every single novel and still does for one person. Do you guys? Do either of you know who it is? Caleb does. He's done his homework. Nope. His wife. Nope. It's his wife. So every scary bit, he made scary in a way that would feel scary to her. Uh, Every funny and quirky bit, every character development and and how long and short he made those things happen, he did it so that he knew his wife would lose interest by here. And she wouldn't believe it if it went this fast. It was too fast. And these sorts of things. It's an incredibly helpful tool in all of our marketing stuff when we nail our main character and actually put someone's name on it. And mm-hmm. someone's face, and uh, and my my little bit about that that Caleb I, de- I developed in your DIY video training guide was uh, so for Ice to the Brim I have my one my one really close black friend Willie Jackson, and Willie's a guy that understands inside jokes, understands inter- in- internet culture and all these things. So he's the guy I write Ice to the Brim for because I need to not be thinking there. I just want it to feel like I'm writing an email to my friends, and so I write it to Willie Jackson. So the the, the <laughs> The way that I would phrase that for you is talk to your willy in front of the world. <laughs> was this was this all just a setup for that one sad little joke? The whole last hour was, <laughs> yes. That's kind of weird to like do what I, I've I've prepared. I've I like that's a, the smallest little bit from this workshop. I guess it's like the first first twenty five percent of it. Uh, but I had practiced and prepared so much for that. It's really weird to do that on a podcast with you guys, where we're normally so conversational. Yeah. So I, I kind of don't want to do that again for a while. No, it was good. It was good. I think people are going to love it. So it's, it's awfully. These are awfully rich tips. These are literally what I do. And it's I was so just funny. Sit, I was just sitting back, soaking up the rich tips the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, li- just a little bit of the rich tip. Lapping them up. Just, just the rich tip. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's funny because I, I, it's one of those things, and I try to get to this with anything that I'm writing nowadays where i'm not preaching i mean i come from i like i used to be a preacher in a lot of ways and i will like i heard someone say recently like i'm not preaching like this is just what i do for a living like i'm just telling you how i solve these problems you don't have to listen to this right this is just how i do it and i try to get to that point and try you know just just to say what i actually can say this is this main character this is what I use to write blog posts and to design websites and to do stuff like that. Because I don't care about a project until I see a Steve in it. And that's when I'm like, okay, this is how we got to do it. No, quit with the bullshit. Let's just do it this way. You know? This has been Storytime with Chase Borman Reeves. Uh, I need some hot chocolate next time. Yeah, some hot chocolate for your rich tips. I'm going to get a carpet square so I can sit on it. Crisscross applesauce style. <laughs> Crisscross applesauce. <laughs> Once we got to be, be politically correct, yeah. Caleb probably has a, a a carpet square or something. I never had. I never went to a preschool where we had carpet squares. But you probably have yours still around because it was only a few years ago that you were there, right? Yeah, I just yeah. got off of one to record this podcast. <laughs> I have been Chase Warman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr, and I've been Caleb Logic, who is apparently like two years old. <laughs> no, my son's it. My son's almost okay, five, five years. Five still years old. No, you're seven. seven. You're seven. Pre K. Pre K. 
So there you have it. Caleb, the seven-year-old entrepreneur sitting crisscross applesauce in the Fizzle Show. <laughs> Fizzleshow.co slash 48. That is where you can find a bunch of goodies from this episode, including me in the hat, uh, or more importantly, the slides from my talk, uh, and video of the Foot Clan's lair. I found it. The scene, and you'll recognize an actor from that uh, that scene. You'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. That's at fizzleshow.co slash 48. F-I-Z-Z-L-E-Show.co slash 48. If you like this, could you leave us a review on iTunes? Could you? Simply search for the show in the iTunes store and click write a review. Here's one from Polka Dots Chick from Australia. A review. These guys rock. Five stars. When I first started listening to the Fizzle Boys last year, I must admit Chase's long-winded rants kind of got on my nerves. But not anymore. After a few episodes, I realized that it's all part of the chemistry that makes this one of the most informative and enjoyable podcasts around. Thank you, Polka Dots Chick. Appreciate it. Glad I uh, was able to convert you to a, a fan of me instead of hating my guts. Why is it always one or the other with me? Who is the main character in your business? Who's your Luke Skywalker? What do they want? And what's at stake? Digging in here and observing and empathizing with your main character will lead you to creating something that people will absolutely love. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next. Bizzle Friday.